Welcome, and thank you for joining the Successful While Parenting podcast. Till we figure out cloning, we'll be investigating the tips, tricks, and routines that help other parents still achieve their personal goals. Friendly reminder, this show is intended for people with kids, not for kids. This was made in a facility that allows cussing, so there may be traces of it. Parental units, uh, hey, I know it's uh, tough right now, and going through everything with the current COVID-19 coronavirus crisis, uh, and so <laughs> I was reaching out to Leif Dalin, the head of Physician on Fire, in order to primarily to talk about what it's like to get into the fire community and managing that. Um, but of course the current situation has, is, and especially him being in healthcare has led us to talk a lot about, you know, the current crisis and, and working around that and all those pieces. So, I mean, I'm sure as you know, everything is all new as we're rolling with all the different pieces. So just wanted to share out this information in this episode. Um, it, we touched a little on one kind of how are we each rolling with the punches and making through this. Um, we touched a little on the fire community aspect and thinking of, you know, what, how do you build up to financial independence? What does that look like? Um, but I think it's just an overall informative episode um, and also just just a conversation during these trying times so i hope you get something out of it thanks and so just to kick us off first thank you leaf for joining me this is an absolute pleasure to get some of your time thank you for the invitation sean it's it's kind of nice to talk to another human i haven't uh, seen many <laughs> of those in recent days yeah um, are you familiar at all with Harry Potter? Somewhat. I've I've seen a lot of the movies. I haven't read all of the books. Okay, no, I've I've, I've only seen the movies as well. Um, it's uh, Professor Slughorn. Uh, okay, and he's like talking with Dumbledore, and he's like, "These are mad times, Albus. Mad times." Like that is the only thing that I can continuously repeat in my head. Mad times is true, yeah. Um, my kids would get the reference better than I would, but I haven't seen them in a while because I uh, I came back from a trip and decided to self isolate, knowing I had been you know traveling and in airplanes and airports, and uh, it turns out I found out I was exposed to um, people that did later test positive. So it's a good thing that I am uh, in solo isolation at the moment. Yeah, and thank you for taking that proactive measure. Uh, Helping yeah. slow this thing I think down. It was day four that I actually learned about the positive test from from someone I was around. So uh, the first four days was just like you said, preemptive, just in case. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, all the uh, <laughs> mad times aside, um, what has inspired me to reach out and start this conversation is the fact that you are the physician on fire and kind of started the, I, I would say started, maybe not started the movement, but been a part of the movement of looking at 
the fire community and financial independence and retiring early. Uh, and so that's been just an inspiration for me. My wife is a physician, so um, I connect there. But Great. also just anybody coming in and looking at the the fire community. Um, it's I just wanted to have tap into your wealth of knowledge. That's that's great. I appreciate uh, uh, the kind words, and you know, I, I focus more on the financial independence part. I did choose to retire early uh, myself, but um, you know, it, it, it's not really about trying to get doctors out of the workforce. You know, it's right now <laughs> is a time where we really need uh, all the doctors we can get, and you know, there's a decent chance. I'll be going back, you know, for a short period of time just to pitch in and help out oh, wow. uh, during this COVID-19 crisis. That was uh, never really part of the plan, but I did keep a license and credentials at my old hospital uh, just just in case something would come up. I never envisioned a scenario like this, though. Yeah. Um, which which field of medicine are you in? I, I I'm an anesthesiologist. Anesthesiologist. Okay. Okay. Would you be practicing anesthesiology or would you just be like using basic general you know most likely I'd, I'd be acting more in the the critical care physician role would be yeah. my guess or maybe you know strictly intubations uh for very uh sick patients to uh, get a breathing tube in and get them through this but the average patient uh that does end up on a ventilator is on it for about three weeks so it's wow. it takes a long time for uh that uh ARDS, the acute respiratory distress syndrome to clear. Yeah. If it does, of course, you know, for a certain number of uh, unlucky individuals, it, it does not get better. So wow. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Uh, I pray yeah. that our, our efforts to distance ourselves will uh, begin to take effect here in the next week or two. It's uh, March 24th as we record this. Uh, we know the numbers are going to look worse. We know hospitals are going to get busier. I pray they get the personal protective equipment they need to keep uh, themselves safe. I know that's that's really in short supply right now, the masks and gowns yeah. and whatnot. But yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry for taking the, a turn to that, you know, conversation. No, I opened, I really opened the door. I mean, on the you know front of everyone's mind right now. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. I mean, I I have a coworker. Um, her sisters are actually nurses, and so she's been. She knows people that she is a professor at a college. Um, I forget which one. Uh, they have 3D printers, and so she's been 3D printing and then also um, using some knitting to get the, like, mask out uh, that can be used. So Yeah, my wife's been making masks at home, too. You know, they, they wow. found the design online, and, and she started making them. And so, yeah, she has offered to give them to the local hospital and, uh, you know, maybe keep a few for personal use because we may want them around town at some point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but kudos to uh, yeah to the people you know doing the same thing and the 3D printing. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't, I don't even, I don't even know how to segue from that. Like even, or even like continue. Yeah, it. it's uh, it's a, it's a wild time right now. I tell you. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I guess kind of with that and the fact of. Anybody that has a family, like, how are you adapting to it? What is the the change been? I know a lot of <laughs> your Instagram feed has been travels right. around the world, which right now is the opposite. So, what, like, how are you adapting? Right. Well, 
it's it's all so new but uh you know the plan was to uh, enjoy the summer here in northern michigan where uh, my wife is from and where we now live uh which you know i'm sure we'll enjoy it in some way maybe not the exact same way we planned but then we were supposed to hop on a cruise ship the grand princess which is the one that was stuck off the coast of california for a week that very boat and uh, sail to shanghai china I don't think that's going to happen this fall. Uh, that was on the books for October. So, wow. Uh, yeah, so that changes things up quite a bit. Uh, but what we have been doing up until uh, a few weeks ago uh, was slow travel as a family. I've got two boys. They're 9 and 11 years old. And uh, we just find a place. We go. We rent an apartment, usually from Airbnb, stay for two to four weeks and and kind of live a, a life that uh, is sort of a hybrid between a tourist and a local. You know, people like to say, oh, we live like the locals, but not really. I mean, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> going to work. I'm, I'm probably living in a nicer place than an average. Uh, but, you know, you know it's, it's been uh, just really cool. Our boys really enjoy the, the travel that we do and seeing new places and, and escaping the uh, winters, which can be rather harsh up in the upper Midwest here. I'm a Minnesota guy, so I'm used to it, but I, I'll be honest, it was nice to be in uh, Mexico for two months, uh, which we were from October to mid-December. And then we went to Spain from early January to early March. And timing was pretty good. We left when their case numbers of COVID-19 were in the uh, in the dozens. Yeah. Or thousands. Wow. Yeah. No, I, and I mean, I think... So I grew up in Florida, so I only know of hard winters just by like remote story. Mm-hmm. So hats off to you ever even surviving one. I <laughs> I spent a few summers in Florida. I did my residency training at UF in Gainesville. Ah, nice. Yeah. Um, but I, I swear that the summers there were not a lot different than the winters in terms of like what you wanted to do outdoors. I, I had no interest in being outside when it was 92 and muggy and there's going to be a downpour at 4, 11 p.m. every day. You know, it's like, all right, get from air conditioned building, to air conditioned building. We're good. <laughs> it, it's that, but you, you also have some ability to go outside and be like, all right, well, hey, we'll we'll go to the beach or we'll we'll go at a pool party. Like That's if true. there's a if there's a body of water, we'll go do it. Versus like, yeah, I want to go from heated building to heated car as quick as possible. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. But you know, when when you live in it, you find ways to uh, bundle up. Yep. You know, you can always <laughs> you can always find something fun to do. But um, yeah, I prefer a mid range. You know, that seventy degrees in the day and fifty at night, which is kind of what we had. The whole time in Mexico and Spain was a little cooler, but still, you know, we were outside running every day and, and uh, going to parks and playgrounds and seeing sights and all that stuff. So it's a shame to see what's happening uh, there and around the world right now. And hopefully we'll return to that lifestyle. And I know we will at some point. This won't last forever, but it could last yeah. for 12, 18 months or, or possibly a bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. And so kind of as someone that is like, I am maybe two years into learning and figuring out financial independence mm-hmm. when with something big like this happening, um, how has that affected 
your financial independence? Is that something that's like easily ad adapting or, or is it difficult? What is, what is so that the, like? So the stock markets dropped, you know, about 30, 35% looks like it was going to bounce up about 5% <laughs> this morning. It's highly volatile right now. Oh uh, mm -hmm. yeah. And that means our net worth has dropped maybe 20, 25%. I do have some money in bonds and I have some investment real estate, of course, that may not be worth as much after all is said and done as as well. But uh, for me, I believe in having a, a large cushion. Uh, as And by cushion, I mean excess money saved up than the uh, uh, you know, uh, standard like 25 times your annual spending is, is a formula based on a 4% rule. Um, mm -hmm. And I could get really in-depth on that. But, but essentially, I discovered this concept of financial independence about five years ago. And realized that we were pretty much there based on what we were spending at the time because I was an anesthesiologist and I didn't live like an anesthesiologist. Uh, lived well, took Good. nice trips and, and lived in a nice home, but, you know, didn't have super fancy cars, didn't, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know, just, uh, I'm from the upper Midwest, just kind of a simple, uh, you know, grew up in a small town, so did my wife. And, and so, yeah, you know, long story short short story long. I uh, realized I was financially <laughs> independent uh, when I was 10 years out of, out of residency. So like 39 years old. I'm 44 now. And I was like, oh, well, that's that's interesting. So what do we do now? Like, well, I'll keep working and then we'll maybe make a plan. So about a five-year plan. Uh, and so when I actually did retire from medicine, I had more like 50 times or more of what we would oh, wow. typically spend in a year, which which gave me uh, a very good buffer uh, to you know um, be able to weather a, a significant event like this. But and you don't need necessarily that much. The four percent rule is is based rule of thumb is based on kind of a worst case scenario. You know, it, it doesn't. It's not going to be enough. Something like three percent of the time, based on history, maybe this would be one of the three percent if you happen to retire yeah. on February twenty second, twenty twenty, and then everything went, you know, bad. But this could be a long, drawn out, um, you know, stock market plunge. It, it it may rebound quicker than some are expecting. You just don't know, and I don't pretend to know. Yeah, 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 and so. I, one thing right now, we are, for my wife and I, we are working through um, paying back school loans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be huge <laughs> for a physician. Have, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So for you paying back your loans, was it something quick or, or like, were you like aggressive about it because you didn't spend money on uh, different accessories and luxuries? Like how, how did that go for you? I paid them off after about six or seven years and uh, okay. paid my wife's off at the same time, roughly. I had consolidated them to a very low interest rate uh, back in the early 2000s, I suppose it would have been. The uh, government offered uh, rates of about 2% uh, for oh. consolidating your federal wow. Uh, loans, yeah, it was it was great <laughs> for, for people like me that happened to be at that uh, you know that time. Um, and I went to uh, the University of Minnesota all the way through, which was my home home state school. And I had scholarship for full tuition in undergrad, and I had a scholarship to start medical school. And so I, um, you know, I came out with less than the average debt. You know, back when I finished medical school, 
I believe the average indebted student had about 95,000 in student loans and I had maybe 55 or 60. So it wasn't the 260 that, you know, 360 you hear about uh, now, 20 years later, you know, of course, inflation adjusted and all that. It's a little different, but um, yeah, it wasn't a huge part of my story. Um, If I had had a larger balance, I might've worked a year or two longer to pay those off. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We are definitely in the, quarter million yeah. uh, bracket of So you're normal loans. or a f- yeah. <laughs> physician family. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so, I mean, I think we are projected probably, I think we could probably finish in six or seven years if we are aggressive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Sounds like a right. girl. Needs, needs a little something. <laughs> Yeah, let me get a second. <laughs> One moment. <laughs> it's all good. So yeah, so picking up where we left off with um, like financial independence and looking at debt and things, uh, you mentioned that you're not so much looking when looking at the fire community um, uh, again. That's financial independence and retiring early. You're not really looking at the retiring early aspect correct well i don't emphasize it i guess that's how i I put it you know it it is something that i did although you know i retired from medicine but by the time i did that i had been spending so much time with uh you know my blog that i I have a lot of fun with physicianonfire.com that i uh i don't feel like i truly retired necessarily i just i do something different and it's flexible and i do it when i want and where i want and i think it's also important to note that I'm not doing it because I still need the money, but there is money there. And I normally donate half of the profits uh, that I receive from it. But next month, I'm donating all of the profits and that's going to go directly to COVID-19 relief. So I I feel that's something I can do. And I I just published a a blog post today kind of talking about here's how the sites make money and you can help it make money. And then I'll donate all of it uh, in April. So I'm hoping that will be, uh, a good sum of money. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for, yeah. for doing that. I wasn't even, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a segue. but you didn't team me up. I just, I uh, you know. I... <laughs> no, that is amazing. So, uh, previously, where have you been donating? Um, you know, some is local, uh, some, mm-hmm. you know, national, you know, just different things that uh, that that appeal to me or my my wife. But um, you know, anything from uh, you know animal shelters to homeless shelters to soup kitchens and you know, disaster relief, that kind of thing. Uh, quite a bit of the money I donate to what's called a donor advised fund, which is kind of like your own little mini personal foundation. Although it's it's restricted, you can only give to true charities that we registered 501c3 charities uh, with the IRS, but that, there's something like 1.7 million formal charities in, in the nation. So yeah. with the donor advised fund, um, we could put money in there. And then when there's a great need, we can take the money that's already there and grant two charities. And mm. so this is one of those times where I'm starting to deplete that donor advised fund. Uh, okay. We gave uh, $5,000 uh, to, uh, well, a thousand dollars to five different charities that are involved with COVID-19 uh, relief and or taking care of people that are 
you know, stuck at home, like Meals on Wheels and Feeding America, you know, places like awesome. that. Yeah. Awesome. And so one thing I've been debating uh, with the the current COVID situation and crisis is figuring out how I can help others with my, like the resources I have. Mm-hmm. What, what are uh, charities and platforms that you would recommend um, anyone interested donate to? Yeah. I mean, the, the five I chose just right off the bat, and these are national slash international. Um, there's one by the World Health Health Organization, WHO, and the UN, I think kind of combined. So I gave to that. The Red Cross, that disaster relief is their thing. Giving blood if you're healthy is also a wonderful thing to do right now. There is definitely a shortage. Um, I mentioned Meals and Wheels and Feeding America. Um, and I think there's, uh, oh, the CDC. The CDC has a COVID-19 uh, fund okay. as well. So I gave to those. But you might also look at your local community uh, because there are going to be needs there too. And you're going to have a lot of people who have been out of work, people who do freelance work, who you know have a, you know, a job with, in the gig economy that aren't making money now. So just yeah. your standard, you know, people that uh, need help and to stay out of poverty. Um, another thing people can do is, is just spread the word to stay home. You know, I see people poo-pooing this and calling it a fake disease and thinking it's all an overreaction and just trying to educate. And, you know, the more voices on social media and other places saying, please take this seriously, stay home for the sake of, you know, our grandparents, our parents, the immunocompromised the people on chemotherapy, stay home for them. You know, maybe you won't get very sick, but yeah, others will. So the, the more voices uh, uh, that are you know, sharing that, that request, I think the better. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I guess I stay off of social media often as well. So yeah, I don't, see... don't blame me. It can be messy. <laughs> so I don't see many people that are still at this point saying it's not affecting them. Um, right. And it's also like, like guys, at, at, at this point, it should be affecting you to some form or fashion of right. the economy is changing. So you can't blindly say like, oh, I'm not affected. No, no, it, it touches everyone. And obviously the economic impact of everyone staying home is is tough. And it really emphasizes the importance of an emergency fund or at least an emergency plan to access money when it stops coming in the form of a paycheck. I've heard of yeah. a, a lot of, uh, it, well, all industries, but even in like my uh, physician community, a lot of physicians are being asked to take a 50% pay cut or, or take no paycheck wow. the next two months. And, and because if you're in a specialty that does mostly elective and outpatient, uh, you know, clinic appointments yeah. and procedures, that's all on hold. And if there's no money coming in, you know, there's no money to be, to pay. Going and, out. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or, or, you know, the physicians are sometimes sacrificing their checks so they can pay their staff until, you know, the point where they can start working mm-hmm. again. So, yeah, but uh, you know, wow! You hear those stats where half of America can't pay for a four hundred dollar emergency, and and this is much more than a four hundred dollar you know emergency right now. Yep. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. So this is 
and, and I mean, it's going to be interesting seeing how how everything plays out after this. Um, I think that's been one of my biggest like concerns uh, when this was all happening was, yeah, this is all bad and there's a lot of immediate impact, but how how do we, and I, and I, and I guess it's like one half fear, one half hope mm-hmm. of what, how will we bounce back um, and what would that look like? Yeah, as a country, we've been very resilient in the past, and I, I see examples of people you know, supporting their neighbors, neighbors supporting their community to the best of their abilities. You know, saying let's order takeout. Um, you know, even you know the restaurants, breweries are doing you know deliveries of their crawlers and growlers. You know, anything yeah. to keep the small businesses afloat. Um, and and once we have the AOK to uh, resume some kind of normalcy again i think you'll see a lot of pent-up demand and it's just a matter of how many businesses will remain open for us to uh to visit you know depending yeah. on how long this goes on yeah mm-hmm. that's a tough balance right now yeah trying to decide uh, you know for the well-being of of our population we need to stay home but at some point for the well-being of <laughs> The economy, we uh, <laughs> will have to, you know, we'll see. Um, right now, I'm definitely on the side of let's not overwhelm the hospitals. Let's not let this thing run rampant Yeah. in the short term. I don't know if you've seen the article, The Hammer and the Dance, but it's a, a pretty uh, uh, data-heavy look at if we drop the hammer now and everybody stays home on a strict quarantine, then we may be able to lighten things up in waves kind of partially open up you know the country again and that becomes a dance as you allow more things to happen you'll see an uptick in the spread of disease but we've already hammered it down and then you kind of you tighten and loosen tighten and loosen to where a manageable number of people will have this and then hopefully at some point we have you know better testing we have better treatments we possibly could have a vaccine if this disease is amenable to one and so that's kind of the way i see this playing out but right now it's the hammer and that means you know probably probably at least four to six weeks of kind of what we're doing is just sheltered sheltering in place yeah i um i have not heard that uh or read that article rather yeah um, i can i can send it to you You can put it in the show notes although by the time this is out there that it may not be as relevant but there'll be new information but i'll yeah. send it to you for your own uh, education here it's a good one yeah mm-hmm. um definitely thank you and um because i was definitely wondering like you know what does it look like after like yeah i know we need to flatten the curve but kind of what happens after because the disease will still be around and mm-hmm how do we move it forward? Um, one thing I've been super grateful for um, is, the, I guess, two parts. Uh, the first is the fact that we're in a day and age to where we have the infrastructure and internet and things like this to where we can stay connected, mm-hmm. even though we are physically disconnected. Um because I was thinking, like, if something like this happened 30 years ago during the early 90s, like, yeah, 
this would be nothing short of truly catastrophic. Like I have no idea how that could have or would have played out. Social distancing would have been way tougher. Uh, yeah. We wouldn't be, we would be less likely to do something like this. Um, the so information like, wouldn't get out to people other than through the nightly news, you know? Um, exactly. Yeah. And, and so like, I, I can't Radio. even imagine. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, or like, businesses the idea of working from home and like like so i'm just super grateful um we have the infrastructure in place to do it um but i'm also super grateful for different businesses resilience to kind of roll with the punches as they come and kind of make new things uh happen quickly that we wouldn't have expected so uh I ordered a meal through Postmates and in order to like protect the uh, customers of Postmates as well as the workers of Postmates, they now have an option to where you can have them drop off your food at the door yeah. uh, and minimize contact. And That's it's just great. like, wow. Yeah. You know, so doing that, uh, my daughter's dance class, they're, they're doing a thing to where, all right, we can't meet in person, but we'll mm -hmm. do a zoom call. Cool. Uh, and keep the things going. So that resilience is definitely, I'm super grateful for that and seeing in addition to people stepping up, um, I'm super grateful for businesses that are saying, all right, well, look, we're, we don't, we're not going to operate just how we used to. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to see what else we can do to keep ourselves afloat. Yeah. And then a lot of places will have to be creative and, and some businesses just aren't amenable to that that sort of work. But to your yeah. point, a lot of, you know, the, a lot of businesses that, you know, especially do a lot of their business online already, you know, they have remote workers they have from the beginning. Uh, and a lot of companies are going to adapt and learn how that can work. And I think after all is said and done, you'll see remote work become more commonplace in industries where it wasn't before. Yep. Yeah. Yep. This is forced uh a lot of hands and it's it's <laughs> I'll, I'll always joke of uh thinking like it's gonna be hard for employers to kind of say like hey we need you back in the office uh -huh. <laughs> what about the last four months uh, get by without me less pollution right less commuting uh i hated commuting i always lived very close to the hospital usually within walking distance or a or a very short drive or bike ride yeah, I tried to do that for my wife, um, and she was like, no, she doesn't need it. So she has a it, – it's not bad, honestly, like looking at the average person's commute, but yeah. it's still 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. Whereas I'm like, I'm done with commutes. Like, yeah. I don't I don't want to do it ever again if I have to. And I, I always took a uh, home call, you know, most jobs I had. So I would have the pager and have to go – into work sometimes, you know, on a weekend, maybe three or four different times in, in a day. So uh, living 30 minutes away would not have allowed yeah, me no, to, that I would have been stuck at the hospital. So, yep. And that, yeah. that's how she is now with, yeah. with her call. Yeah. It would be nice to have her home, but if anything happens and she's an OB, so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anything happens at any time of day. So no, she has to stay at the hospital when she's on call. Right. For sure. Yeah. So yeah, um, I don't think I have any other like immediate questions. I know we are bouncing around and it as much as we can, rolling with the the punches as they come. So uh, 
I absolutely appreciate this time and being able to like talk through some of this stuff of like working through and yeah, <laughs> figuring yeah. it all like out. Like I right? said, uh, I think before we were recording, it, it's nice to talk to another human. I haven't uh, seen humans much in the last 10 days or so uh, <laughs> as I'm self-isolated here. So I appreciate the, uh, the social connection. Not a problem at all. This is also likewise appreciated. Um, I'm, I see I'm home with my wife and daughter, uh, but yet and still, um, human connection pieces. Well, no, I still work. So I guess I I still do get, yeah, okay, I take that back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my brain's a little all over the place now too, so it's all good. Yeah, so and for anyone that is interested in, uh, Connecting with you as a human, what what is the best way for them to do so? Uh, you can find my website, Physician on Fire. Just type in pofire.com, P-O-F-I-R-E. I'm also on Twitter, pretty active there, at Physician on Fire. Same thing on Facebook. And uh, yeah, so just look me up online. I will be there. Awesome. So thanks again, Leif. And um, hopefully next time we talk, it'll be... Less about um, surviving a crisis and more about how to thrive. Yes, indeed, Sean. Thank you for the invitation. And we'll uh, we'll talk about uh, all the good times ahead uh, when we are on the other side of this. Yeah, awesome. Thanks again, Lee. You bet. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Successful While Parenting. Until we figure out cloning, we'll be investigating the tips, tricks, and routines that help other parents still achieve their personal goals. This podcast is available in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Music. Uh, It's also available on SoundCloud if you'd like. If you could, pretty, pretty please, with sugar on top, please leave a review. Uh, I definitely hope that this podcast is worthy of five stars. But if not, then let me know what I can do to take it to the next level. Your constructive feedback is requested and definitely highly valued. I want to be able to provide a good source of value for you. I promise. So please um, leave us a review and check us out on our Facebook page. Um, You can easily search for us, uh, Successful While Parenting, or you can go directly to our URL, which is facebook.com slash SWP pod. Once on the Facebook page, drop me a line. I love having conversations with listeners and being able to know what's working well, what's not. So thanks. See you soon. This track is called Least Looks Green by Swirl. You can find it on his SoundCloud, which is linked on the Facebook page.